0: Welcome, everybody, to the fabulous twenty-ninth edition of the Metabulous Two podcast with myself, Ben.
1: Hey, Ben's back.
0: <laughs> hey, everyone, cheer and and also David here as well. But he was here last week too with Elliot, so that's uh, fine.
1: Keeping the lights on. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Well, I was, I was, I was suffering from the some kind of plague. I'm trying to think of a relevant. Some kind of Doctor Who-style plague, yeah. Dalek plague bombs had hit my house. Well,
1: probably a cyber plague on. The... I
0: think it could have been the, whatever the plague was called on Space Station. Never. I don't. Did they actually give it a name? I can't no, remember. Space plague. It was, it was. space plague. Definitely space plague. <laughs> <laughs> oh and that's making me cough now there you go space plague hits hits again um so we've got some great topics to talk about tonight um first of which i think is quite sad though well actually it's more than quite sad it's actually sad yeah it's the death of john hurt
1: the war doctor
0: yeah who of course um all doctor who fans had kind of a jump on this as well i mean I don't know. Let's try not to be too flippant about someone dying, but I mean, and I guess he wasn't actually that old, so it 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 is sad. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think Doctor Who fans had a jump on this because we all knew that he was sick, mm-hmm. um, because that was, I think, one of the stated reasons why he'd been doing the War Doctor audios for Big Finish. Because absolutely, yeah, as a you know, as a very committed and extremely hardworking actor, um, mm-hmm. you know, he had to keep on acting. Right, and I, I think he's on record of saying that that was. Uh, a job that he could do quite easily wasn't very taxing physically, and mm-hmm. kept him acting while he was um, uh, what he hoped would be recovery from from cancer. So, um, in some ways, we're, we're we're very lucky to have had those um to have had those audios from him.
1: Kind of the bonus. Because if he was feeling you know healthy, he wouldn't have been doing those at all. So. He
0: wouldn't have been doing them at all. No, exactly. Uh, and like actually, in some ways, I mean, I think I, I was absolutely astounded. I mean, I don't know, David, you can probably give me a, a correction from the American perspective. But when it was revealed that John Hurt was going to be playing the war doctor, I was really amazed. Because John Hurt is a mm-hmm. big star in the UK. Yeah. Everyone yeah.
1: knows who John Hurt is. You know, just yeah. anyone who's interested in sci-fi, just from Alien... Exactly. You know, I exactly. mean that's that's kind of how I think he entered into the public psyche in the United States if and before that if the kind of the PBS audience viewer when uh, I Claudio on when was, Caligula. was Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he he was definitely known um by Americans and you know even of the younger younger generation he was in the Harry Potter films. Indiana Jones. He was in the last Indiana Jones movie, The Kingdom of Crystal Skull. So, right. I mean, he has a lot of impact or a lot of, a lot of uh, cachet with. Uh, the, the yeah, dealership. he's
0: got some. He's got some great genre genre chops there. I actually first became aware of John Hurt and a huge fan. I mean, I he's the. Another great, great English actor who does a lot of Who stuff um, is David Warner. And I always kind of think of Mm. David Warner and John Hurt in a kind of similar way. They're great, great actors, British actors who have really um, been able to kind of bridge being in Hollywood and also being on TV in Britain and also doing British movies as well. Not so well known for the stage. I actually really can't speak at all to John Hurt's work on the stage. I know that David Warner doesn't work on the stage because of stage fright. Um, Hmm. um, and really doesn't like that aspect of of kind of live acting.
1: Hmm. I don't know
0: whether that was the case for John Hurt, but I first became aware of him as an actor um, watching Midnight Express, Hmm. which is a movie that no one really talks about anymore but it was a big hit at the time as mm-hmm. far as I remember yeah that
1: came out before Alien a year before Alien
0: it did yeah and he played a uh it's a super racist movie actually maybe why people don't talk about it anymore anyway John Hurt was a miserable prisoner in a horrible Turkish prison mm-hmm. and um I remember being very impressed by that performance um I didn't see Alien when it first came out because I was too young wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to go but again, you know, I think everyone was talking about that. Um, I didn't watch I, Claudius when it was on, t- it was on <laughs> TV because, again, I was too young and probably wasn't interested either. Right. Nor did I watch what was his TV debut, which was um, uh, in The Naked Civil Servant playing Quentin Crisp. Mm-hmm. Again, he just absolutely astounding, astounding performance. So,
1: you know, we've lost a great man. Well, my introduction to John Hurt was in the Disney film, The Black Cauldron, where he played the chief bad guy, the Horned king. Was he in that? Wow, yeah. I've never actually
0: seen The Black Cauldron, so yeah, I'll check a, it
1: out. Yeah, I'm a big Lloyd Alexander fan, and so when Disney made a movie of... Uh, the Black Cauldron, right? The the voice of John Hurt. So I I recognized John Hurt from his voice. That was my first introduction of him, and then he was in the animated Lord of the Rings.
0: No way was he. What was, what was so, he in the animated Lord of the Rings? Yeah. I mean, who was he? Uh, he was Aragorn. Really? Yeah. Interesting.
1: So and then he was. In Watership Down too, so I came. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, my introduction to John Hurt was through his voice. So to right. me, he was he was an animated voice actor long before I knew anything about him in Alien because nineteen seventy nine, I would have been ten years old. Obviously, I wasn't going to go, go see Alien. See Alien. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see Alien until you know almost six, seven, eight years later.
0: Yeah, when I was a teen. I think same, same with me actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he had it had a huge rep. I mean, Alien had a huge reputation. I remember, you know, kids talking about it in the school playground, like, Ugh. and then like this thing explodes out of this guy's chest, wow. Ah! Yeah. Um, so yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which and then, of course was John Hurt.
1: Mm-hmm. And and more recently, you know, because he was doing big Finnish audios for, with his voice work. But my wife yeah. was a big fan of the Merlin series on BBC, I think it was, and John Hurt played the voice of the dragon, the great dragon. So he right. did a lot of voice work, and that's.
0: Primarily, how I got my introduction to his work. Interesting, interesting. Well, let's see, because he had an extraordinary voice. I'm tempted mm-hmm. to try and do an impression, but I won't. <laughs> but like, just kind of like rich, sort of like you know, mm-hmm. rrr, just lovey, resonant, so, just resonant voice. But he was like such a slight-looking man as well. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, I mean, he had this incredibly kind of even from a young age, a kind of you know, cadaverous face. Just mm-hmm. so full of character. I'll tell you, the, actually, the other movie that I remember first seeing him in, but of course, I get, didn't really register that it was him. And of course, you know, it kind of speaks to your point, David, about the excellence of his voice work, as well as speaking to my point about how he had this very kind of slight, uh, thin body. Was, of course, he was the elephant. He was John Merrick in The Elephant Man, in mm. David Lynch's oh, um, right. the, the Elephant Man, mm-hmm. which, again, is purely voice acting because you wear this huge prosthetic. Because again, he had this slight frame, he was able to to really kind of you know twist himself into that part, you know which mm-hmm. is which is a lot of kind of body acting as well as as well as voice acting um again, you know a superb movie, which isn't really talked about that much anymore again, I can remember when you know the Elephant Man was just the big deal, you know, but um mm-hmm. anyway, I guess people have gone off John Merrick and the Elephant Man now, yeah yeah, yeah, and Anthony Hopkins, of course is as the Doctor and the Elephant Man. You know, I, I haven't, unfortunately, because, you know, I've only there's only a certain number of hours in the day and there's only mm-hmm. a certain number of dollars in my bank account. <laughs> um, I haven't actually listened to any of the War Doctor audios from mm-hmm. Big Finish. I have no doubt that they are excellent because they also have Jacqueline Pierce in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most recent set have um, uh, Leela Returns. I mean, they've, they've got to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, you know, his turn as the War Doctor... On the television was perfect um i mean mm-hmm. i think we all f- felt a slight piece of disappointment when christopher eccleston didn't return as mm-hmm. the ninth doctor but i mean i think you know having john hurt enter the who mythology as one mm-hmm. of a, a, who, a who actor was was a was a great compensation it was quite a coup on moffat's part
1: too to be able to cast john hurt for yeah. the War doctor i think it yeah. added it's silenced fan criticism, so to speak. Where did this war doctor come from? What, you know, is this is Moffat playing fast and loose with Doctor Who history? Just having an a- actor of John Hurt's caliber, I think, really shut down any kind of, uh, or shut yeah. the door on any opening for uh, criticism for that yeah. avenue. yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I I completely agree. And he owned that part, mm-hmm. uh, made it real. Um, you absolutely kind of believed it because he's just a really, really good actor, mm-hmm. and um, you know just sold it completely. This mm-hmm. kind of you know missing regeneration, this missing incarnation of the Doctor, um, is now near part of canon. Um, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of that, and I think if you as you've just pointed out, David, I think most of that is down to John Hurt rather than rather than Stephen Moffat.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yep. John Hurt, um, we will miss him. Too young, mm-hmm. um, uh, had a tough life. I was reading up about him on on Wikipedia. A lot of tragedy in his life. So, uh, you know, um, I hope he was happy. I mean, I think I think acting made him happy. Um, and I think and I hope being on Who made him happy because you know it's as I said it's 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 made us it's made us very happy. Mm-hmm. I think it did
1: because otherwise he would have stepped away from the role once the anniversary episode yeah. was filmed.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, and I and I think it's. I think you know. Again, it's. It shows how the kind of currency of being involved in Who is. Mm-hmm. It's. 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 It's high. You know. I mean, actors. Mm-hmm. It's. It's not a slumming job. You know, actors are really, really keen to be involved in the show, which is great.
1: Is it interesting that both he and, like, say, Derek Jacobi, managed to avoid Doctor Who in the seventies and eighties when? You know, I guess John Hurt was focusing in on his film career yeah, in the yeah, 1980s, yeah. but in the early 70s, he was a you know jobbing actor. He was just starting out, but he managed to not be in Doctor Who, and fortunately, RTD brought the series back in the mm-hmm. um, 2000s, and it did catch on it became something more than it was in the classic era yeah. that an actor like John Hurt would see it as not slumming or not doing someone a favor yeah. as a as a good uh as a good role to take on
0: yeah yeah no some really kind of ju- ju- juicy parts that's not to say you know that they weren't that you know we were kind of privileged to have had some astounding you know actors in the 70s in who but um yeah so, yeah, so I mean, it's sad. I mean, I was genuinely sad um, when he died. I, mean, I yeah. mean, you know, it's more of the people that you like dying thing, which apparently right. was a thing in 2016, though I think that's just statistics. Like, you know, that's <laughs> just it's just social media, actually, it's because we know everyone's died is the reason why we're so, you know, I guess David Bowie may be in Prince, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, John Hurt, uh, as I said, I mean, I he died too young. Uh, I hope he was happy. Um, okay. And, um, yeah, anyway.
1: And we're going to lose another doctor here. The end of the year,
0: we are. We are going to lose
1: Peter Capaldi. Yeah, I. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully not to any anything fatal, but certainly fatal to his incarnation
0: of the Doctor. What do you, uh, David? What do you think about this? Or have you already said from last week? I haven't listened to last week's yet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was out. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, say,
1: I am. I was surprised by it because. I really thought that he would have stuck around for one year under Chibnall.
0: Oh, I was really hoping that he mm-hmm. would. I was you and me both. I was really hoping that he would. Um, I mm-hmm. personally think, um, I actually think three years isn't long enough. Um, I mean, they're <laughs> stuck in this kind of Patrick and you know, Peter Davison. Oh, it's got to be three years, mm-hmm. you know, cycle thing. I think four. I'd, with Modern Who, you've got to give it four. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: they are giving it
0: four because he had well, an that's osteo- true. That is true. He did. He was. He has been who? He has been Doctor Who for four years. You are correct. Mm-hmm. But of course, mm-hmm. the BBC and well, actually, the Conservative government, in their infinite wisdom, have denied mm-hmm. us. <laughs> Um, a series of Doctor Who this year Um, thank you Mm -hmm. very much Um, or last year (laughs) last year I mean Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not happy I'm not happy I I, I liked him a lot I think it's a wasted opportunity I don't think he was utilized as well as he could have been Um, Mm -hmm. and I was looking forward to seeing him here seeing him do more with the part but there you go he's an actor the tabloids are suggesting or at
1: least uh, Daily Mail is suggesting that he was kind of encouraged to depart along with Moffat because the BBC wants to cast someone younger.
0: I will have to say the Daily Mail is trash. Um, <laughs> so anything you read in the Daily Mail is usually wrong, especially if it's critical of the BBC. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I personally take anything you know with a giant pinch true, of salt. True it, tabloid. If it comes out of the mail. Um, okay. The right-wing tabloids in, the, in Britain are, are pathologically hostile towards the BBC. So anything mm-hmm. that casts the BBC in a bad light is grist to their mill. However, it wouldn't surprise me, having just dismissed the story, I'm not going to agree with it. <laughs> um, it wouldn't surprise me if like the, the Oxbridge idiots, of course, of which I am one, um, <laughs> Oxbridge educated idiots at the upper echelons <laughs> of the BBC are demanding that they, we have someone young and lissom like mm-hmm. Matt Smith back again which i think uh, well why not but you know you should have given the guy another year well
1: i think uh, it'll be interesting to see who they cast because there is a groundswell i think in certain segments of fandom kind of the hardcore uh vocal the ones who blog the ones who write the ones who send out lots of tweets the ones post who podcasts yeah. right but, yeah <laughs> 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 yeah um, I, I think a, a large percentage uh, are looking for either a woman being cast as the Doctor or a non-white a male actor. So it'll be interesting to see if the BBC goes along with that kind of right. hardcore fan Right. Uh, the whims of hardcore fandom, right. or if they will try to play it safe and go for someone along the lines of a tenant or a smith.
0: Right. Okay, I'm going to hardcore throw this down, and obviously we'll be talking about this, I think, at length on subsequent podcasts. It should not ever be a woman. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, that's That's just... And you know, and you you know me, podcast fans, and also David, you know me as well. I'm I'm as I'm as lefty feministy as they come, but it will be a they will it'll from my cold dead hands will they extract <laughs> Doctor Who as a woman. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well that's Controversial. Uh, maybe we'll finally get some emails from outraged, uh, <laughs> outraged listeners,
0: and to be like, "No, that's wrong." I mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, surely you agree with me. Surely, surely you agree with me. Uh, no. Okay. I'm
1: open. I really just hope they cast an actor that can carry it off. Uh, okay. All right. And if that's a woman, great. That'd be great. I'm I'm hoping for an actor that will have someone who will regenerate <laughs> he or she will do their three years and re- get regenerated into another actor. And this might, is my hope, you know, cause my concern is that Moffat has been in a little longer long. than perhaps he should have been. Yeah. And, the, uh, the audience needs to, uh, regenerate. And I think the whole, uh, BBC TV landscape certainly has changed with, uh, um, watching online, and, and really, I think the show perhaps may even be more popular in the US right now, right outside of Britain than it is currently in England, you know, Scotland. How
0: about, West. um, okay, here's a here's a wild one. I think I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. How about an American? Mm. Would you go for that? I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Well okay so uh, oh, all right so I'm I'm not, I'm going so to talk to So so the name
1: yeah. uh, the name I've heard that I've kind of going hmm I really hope I mean he's a fine actor but I really hope yeah. that they don't do it as Eddie Redmayne.
0: Yeah I, I I I think he's too uh yeah definitely not Eddie Redmayne for me. My I'll have to say my two top picks mm-hmm. um from you know me just thinking about it and also say, seeing what other people are thinking as well. I was so gung ho for Patterson Joseph <laughs> um, to be the first black doctor mm-hmm. to replace um, Matt Smith. I mean, it was it was great that Capaldi took over. That's fine. I love Capaldi, mm-hmm. but I was very disappointed when Patterson Joseph didn't. Yeah, I, I don't even know whether he was in the running or not. I think he was asked, but maybe he said no. Mm-hmm. I still think he would be a superb doctor. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a more ethnically diverse Doctor Who person. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um so I'm also pretty gung ho from for Richard Um I can never say his name right. Um a, a- Odie, Um a- Oh, a- and a- from the a- IT crowd. Yeah, from the yeah, from the IT crowd, who's mm-hmm. you know who is. Uh, He's mixed race, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he's got a he's got a great sense of comic timing Mm -hmm. um, and is also, you know, he's a he's a very accomplished actor. He's also a film director. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think he'd be awesome. I have also got a soft spot for Rory Kinnear as well from out of James Mm, Bond, um, who would be a kind of a ooh, just a not a very charismatic doctor, which I think would be interesting. So those are my those are my picks right now.
1: If we're thinking of white male actors, I was kind of toying around with uh, the actor who played Horatio Hornblower in the ITV series in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s.
0: Oh, Ewan Griffith. Yeah, yeah. Ewan Ewan Griffith. Yeah, yeah. He's a Welshman, so that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a pretty good choice. That's a pretty good choice. And he's in his...
1: mid 40s right now um the one thing that i would think that he might turn down the role is he lives in la now
0: oh.
1: but you know who knows how uh bbc america certainly is putting more funding into the show with the re- animation of uh, power of the dollar yeah. and just funding co- co-funding the uh, series i think series 9 series 10 production yeah so maybe they would move it towards a more uh North American filming locations. I yeah, don't know. Maybe,
0: maybe. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, so I mean I guess, you know, there's, there's some time yet um for this to play out. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, all bets are off at the moment. I've also seen uh, who have I see also seen in the in the mix? Uh Ben Wishhaw, I think, has been mooted again out of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um Olivia Coleman out of Peep Show and pretty much everything. <laughs> Wasn't she in Broadchurch? Well, again, she's a Broadchurch alum, so there's a Chibnall connection there. Mm-hmm. I've also heard... I Actually, I would I would remove my distaff prejudice <laughs> in order to have Miranda Hart play the role, mm. um, who, again, has also been um, uh, mooted, because um, I think she'd be absolutely awesome as the Doctor.
1: Well, my suspicion is it's going to be someone young, so somebody probably 35 or younger, probably even in their 20s. And my guess is that that that's as close as I want to guess. I think they're going to probably guess someone in their late 20s, early 30s.
0: And I think that knocks out it being a woman, to be honest. I think, you know, if we're going to believe the kind of, you know, ridiculous high ups at the BBC, they're not going to take a punt on a sexy young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are going to take a punt on another sexy young man um again you maybe this is my prejudice coming out um i think if the doctor is a woman i would prefer a older woman um mm-hmm. because i don't know well you know my rule Gives the doctor has gravitas. to be older than me yeah that is that's an excellent <laughs> rule an excellent rule the doctor does have to, which again is patterson joseph i am all i'm i'm gonna put my gonna put all my 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 <laughs> lobbying behind patterson joseph again i think okay. patterson joseph or moranda hart those are my two choices <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think it's fine just as long as we get a good actor that can actually carry the role. Yeah. And I do. I really don't think the BBC is going to um, misfire on that. No, I we'll just I,
0: I I. mean, again, you know, I hope uh, I, I, again, I've read that, you know, Chib is the Chib is, you know, still working on. Another interminable series of broad church. Um, I hope he just wraps that up pretty quickly and gets working on, you know, picking a good doctor and getting some mm. who together. Basically, that's what we need. The world needs who. The world needs a hero at this time. Yeah. World needs a hero, and he and and he or she is is the hero that we're looking for. Uh, doctor <laughs> Who. All right. We, yeah. I mean, I mean, we will return to this subject again. I have oh, no oh, doubt. I've... There
1: will be rumors of flying oh, all through yes. okay. the spring and summer, and um, probably have someone casting. i guess they'll make an announcement sometime in October or November.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would, I would guess that also. I would guess that also. Um,
1: but I mean, it would be interesting. Yeah, I think it would be a real interesting curveball mm-hmm. if they didn't regenerate at the Christmas special. Ooh, uh,
0: um, if how uh, if what c- happens.
1: Well, we have a Christmas special cliffhanger, so Capaldi enters in the TARDIS, staggers into the TARDIS, you know, lurching. Obviously something's not right. Right. But we get the regeneration at the beginning of series eleven. Oh, ah, okay. What well, could be. Could be. Because possibly Chibno won't have the actor cast
0: by then. Yeah, that is that is a possibility. My goodness it's going to be exciting in so many ways 2017 is going to be an exciting year um, well
1: there's hopefully enough bread and circuses to distract us
0: from reality distract us from the hideousness of our everyday <laughs> lives um, which is pretty let's face it pretty hideous right now so, so excellent um, so we're going gonna, gonna, yeah, go to we're going to we're going to go on to take a shot at revenge and see what happens yeah let's take a
1: quick little break here and okay. uh, pick it up after this uh, musical interlude
0: excellent Nice one. Musical interlude. Lovely. <laughs> I have a great CD that I picked up years ago, which is the music. It's a CD of all the music they used to play over the test card on, <laughs> on the BBC. And you, you, you know about the test card, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, um, and it's fantastic because, of course, you know, the test card is what you stared at while you waited for television to start. Uh. Um, and the <laughs> idea that I've actually got a CD that has all the music that I used to play over the test card um is something that's incredibly pleasurable to me so um it's one of my very favorite CDs. Now is
1: that orchestral arrangements or is it Yeah, it's just like or? no,
0: it's really really <laughs> orchestral r- arrangements of kind of, you know, sleigh ride and um, <laughs> you know, kind of light light classical. It's awful, um but mm-hmm. it's one of my very favorite CDs. Okay. Yeah. Anyway,
1: well the music in our episode that we're going to look at tonight is Revenge of the Cyberman composed by uh Carrie Blyton, but mm. uh Philip Hinchcliffe did not like what Blyton composed at all so he asked uh, BBC Radiophonic Workshop to uh, do a little nip and tuck here and so Peter Howell uncredited is really responsible for a lot of the soundtrack of Hmm. or the ambient uh, incidental
0: music which is a shame because I love I love Carrie Blyton he should have scored a lot more Doctor Who as far as I'm concerned I love all that chonky plonky silly stuff
1: yeah he wore out his welcome with uh (laughs) Philip Hinchcliffe it was not what he was looking for and i think on I think on the dvd documentary that he was uh, hinchcliffe kind of just shook his head saying blighton just didn't get what
0: uh, he and bob holmes wanted well hinchcliffe is a definitely you know a straight shooting son of a gun when it comes to mm-hmm. being a producer he doesn't like anything yeah he's uh, very uh, very clear thought um mm-hmm. no room for any weirdness with um with uh, with old Hinch. Um, so I'm not surprised that they didn't get on. But the Cybermen in Revenge of the Cybermen, uh, what do we think about that? Uh, these were the first Cybermen I ever encountered in real life. Yeah,
1: the same here. These were the Cybermen and sort of like uh, I knew nothing about Cybermen until these
0: appeared. Exactly. And of course ironically for a lot of other people they were also the first Cybermen that anyone encountered because they were the very first VHS um <laughs> release from the BBC video was Revenge of the Cybermen. So they Right. There it's it's, a, it's a, actually it's a very very key story in many ways.
1: Mhm. Yeah, it started off the videotape revolution in uh, Britain.
0: I think it was like 50 quid or something is what you had to buy originally. <laughs> that was a lot of money back then and yeah um uh well i guess my parents didn't have a, a vhs player at that point mm-hmm. um we really had to beg for them to get one of those things so even if they had had one we wouldn't have bought it but anyway so yeah. did you
1: come across a story on broadcast first or through the terrence dick oh no broadcast. Oh okay. no
0: broadcast broadcast um uh, yeah, and I, I, I loved it. I mean, again, you know, rewinding myself back to my younger days, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. Um, I loved Space Plagues. It was a base under siege. It was a space base under siege. Um, it was a callback, you know, course, we all enjoyed the Ark in space. And to then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously mm-hmm. the, the sets were, were reused to save money because it was the 70s. But actually... Right. Um, having a callback like that, and actually, you know, a use of a you know a case earlier in time, these people can mm-hmm. travel in time was wonderful because you know the doctor really didn't travel in time that much in terms no. of in terms of being obvious that he's travelled in time. If you see what I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. And I thought the Cybermen were, were just completely bad, and um, I mean hmm. bad is in you know in a good way when I say bad. <laughs> uh, I liked him. I liked him a lot. Um, really liked them a lot. I think they're great. I, uh, revenge is a great story. I really enjoy it.
1: Well, Christopher Robbie played the cyber leader, and uh, hit the knock against his performances. It's rather camp. Did you pick up on that at all when you were watching it as a
0: kid? Nah, no. I mean, yeah, no? it's okay. it's completely went over my went over my yeah. head. I'm afraid, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I guess if I knew anything about villains at that point, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was a very callow. Nine-year-old at this point, you know, villains are always kind of camp, um, you know, like you know, <laughs> camp Nazis and you know, whatever, you know. Right. So yeah, I uh, completely went over my head. Um, I loved his black earmuffs. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was again badass. You know, that
1: was uh, innovation there for the Cybermen.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that I again I I remember loving, and I think obviously it's become a little bit of a a bugbear for Cybermen nowadays is is there a, is there allergy to gold mm. which i thought was genius at the time when i was 9 mm-hmm. because of course gold is a very rare thing mm-hmm. and obviously one is very impressed by things like gold when one's nine mm-hmm. I thought, cool like, yeah, and obviously they're made of silver so mm-hmm. obviously gold would would be a problem to them and then you get the awesome kind of you know one two punch of and the reason why they're so skulking around and being evil and stuff is that they have to destroy the planet of gold, and you know mm-hmm. again, what is a greater concept than having a planet that's made of gold as well, or at right. least a planet that is that is largely gold Wookie Hall and of course, I'd also been to Wookie Hole as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you recognize it from the television or was it, were you able to suspend disbelief and it didn't look familiar, it didn't look like the
0: cave system of Wookiee Hole? No, again, you see, I mean, I think it falls into that thing that I talked about before. It's the genius of Doctor Who, especially in the 70s, is it, you know, he used locations that were familiar to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we played Doctor Who in the playground at school, Doctor Who also played in the places that we went to when we were on holiday. So, um, It was both completely convincing as Voga. um, Mm -hmm. And the reason why it was so convincing as Voga is because it is a place that I had already imagined to be an alien planet when I visited it as Wookiee Hole. Worked well. Well, well, but I mean, Cybermats were great. Again, I hadn't met Cybermats before. Yeah, um, they were great. And they'd really redesigned them to be a lot more scary and intimidating than the kind Mm -hmm. of googly eyed things. Um, uh, that, um, again, I didn't actually know about because I was only nine, but um, subsequently one has discovered that uh, Cybermats originally had kind of googly eyes and kind mm-hmm. of feelers and stuff. And
1: that was, the re- that was the look that they did with the return of the Cybermats in the new series too. And I really liked the Cybermat design in Revenge of the Cybermen. That's my favorite design.
0: Absolutely. They were slinky. And actually, I'll, I'll tell you what they reminded me of at the time, and they still do in a kind of an effective way. Um, is they remind me of the Exelon's, uh, you know, silver snout thing that the Exelons have on their oh, planet. Oh, and the,
1: underneath the city, those yeah, roots.
0: Does, does, does it have a name? I don't know. Anyway, um, but, I mean, I can remember being excited when I saw the Cybermats, because I, again, I loved Death to the Daleks, mm-hmm. um, and I, again, in my kind of nine-year-old head, it was like, oh, great, this is, there's going to be some connection with the Exelons there, but there wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, I just, it's a great design, and they're, they're really intimidating and frightening. And the space plague is also intimidating yeah, and yeah. frightening. You know, it's, it's a scary, it's scary
1: thing well the cyberman costume is also very effective because they um i think it was michael bryant the director that kind of instructed or worked with the costume designer to put their uh gun in their helmet
0: perfect you know yes. so
1: you look and they shoot so there's it gives them a much different approach you know because the humans on the space station are using machine guns and then the Vogons are are um, are using kind of, you know, guns. Weird-looking
0: ha- cyberpunk, like, yeah. gold gold glitter guns, whatever the hell mm-hmm. they are.
1: And so it gives all three of the combatants in that story a very different uh, weaponry and different look, so it's they're not all gunslingers.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the design all the way through is perfect. I mean, you know, obviously the Vogons, you know, they're slightly shonky in terms of their masks, but, I mean, to me, again, I think even when I rewatch it nowadays... They have a you know, they have a pretty convincing alien society. Um in the same yeah. way that uh, no, yeah, no like them. no. I mean I, design wise they do. I mean, you know, I mean I guess yeah, they okay. have you know, they had that Gallifrey Roundel, which is a problem nowadays <laughs> with um continuity. But at the time Only because
1: of reuse. <laughs> I mean they have
0: a great logo, um they have some really cool looking gold weapons, mm-hmm. um they obviously have a missile which is neat. Um but um I mean, I think we've already said this. It is kind of a waste to have both Michael Wisher and Kevin Stoney in a story, and actually David Collings, who's is, who's is, who is right. awesome too, as kind of like walk-on masked, you know, kind of aliens. But still. Well, it's really
1: hard. I mean, it's really hard for me. I have to actually sit down and go, okay, which one is Kevin Stoney? Um, which one is Michael Wisher? Because even even though they made the masks look different it's really hard for me the because the voices are st- are you know they're half masked so the voices are still sort of distorted yeah, as yeah. if they're masked and it's really hard to go okay that one's stony that one's Wisher, that one's collins so it's hard it's i think it, like you said that is where it falls apart in the casting and the whole idea of the plot the introduction of gold it's not really the strongest um Cyberman story. I mean, it, for for the logic for cyber logic that we can understand. It makes a lot of sense though. If if they are um, allergic to gold. Allergic to gold or gold you know, gold is deadly to him. Why not blow up the planet or surviving planet of gold? That, That is pure cold cyber logic. Now, the emotion and whatnot that they, the cyber leader shows, okay, that's a little bit um, a departure from Cybermen, but it's really hard to act and write and make interesting because you have a blank mask. You're doing voice acting behind a mask. There's really, without giving it some kind of an emotion, it's it's going to be a cold performance. So I really don't have a problem with Camp Cyberman. I think it works really well. The where I have the the problem with the mask are with the Vogons, which I don't think will work very well. I think they're not I, it's not a very good look. I'm not sure if they're trying to be asiatic in a, in appeal or mm. what. I just it doesn't they don't seem alien to me they seem more cartoony to me and Ooh. i'm not sure it works for my
0: eyes i'll I'll tell you why i think they worked for me um i they felt to me and i think they still do very reminiscent of you know the very exaggerated kind of alien and as you point out sort of weirdly asiatic features of the Vogons. Mm -hmm. really resonated with me as being as being century 21 style designs. So actually, again, at at that age, when I was nine, and actually, you know, obviously, I still am pretty much a nine year old. (laughs) uh, You know, they 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 had that look of the design of Anderson, um, Jerry Anderson puppets Mm -hmm. um, from Thunderbirds or Joe 90 um, or Captain Scarlet. Um, uh, they're very, actually, I mean, again, I mean, they're kind of similar to the hood who was the main kind of antagonist for the Thunderbirds for international rescue. Um, who had this kind of similar kind of big domed, shiny forehead, um, and kind of, kind of big baggy eyes that the Vogons have. So I think actually they did kind of resonate to me as being kind of, you know, potentially villainous because, you know, they looked like century 21 villains. Um, there is a connection
1: to Thunderbirds with the cast with uh, Jeremy Wilkins because he was in Thunderbirds
0: as oh, really uh,
1: Virgil Tracy. Oh
0: wow! Okay, cool. Didn't know that. Right, yeah. excellent. The 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 more you know. Um, so you know that's that's that that kind of worked for me, and I think I what I liked about them is that they seem to be. Uh, I mean, there's probably a technical word for it in terms of, you know, where they f- fit within a, within a dramatic plot, but they were neither good nor bad. I mean, they mm-hmm. kind of were they were needed to be there, but they were neither villains nor nor good guys. They were kind of just the people who happened to unfortunately live on the planet of gold mm-hmm. and they some of them were jerks. And some of them were OK, um, mm-hmm. which seemed to me at the time, I think still does actually seem to me, oh, OK, these, these are just kind of these are just regular folks who are just trying to get along. Yeah, they were
1: also very complacent in the plague of uh, that Kelman worked with the Cybermen to infect the, um, you know, what, they've killed 47 people on that station.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were kind of pathetic, Um, again, in sort of, you know, in a way that actually I still find sort of vaguely realistic, you know, they're sort of, you know, a not very successful alien race, even though they, Mm -hmm. you know, they live on a planet that's basically made of solid gold, or at least a little bit gold.
1: Interestingly enough, no one has ever clamored for a return to Voga. Now, even in the Ian Levine continuity heavy influence JT Eric Sayward era, they chose Us rather than a return to Voga.
0: I, I'm pretty sure Nick Briggs at this very moment is writing a, you know, I don't know. It's back to Voga,
1: the planet of gold, where everything well, is made of gold. Oh, I'm sure there already is a big finish on that, if not. There, I mean, they're, they're
0: very good at plugging continuity. They love it. They gaps, love all that you know. stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd I said I have a lot of affection for this one. I know it's got its problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Cybermen do a great job you know,
1: so. I agree. It's very endearing. I really love the main cast. I love uh, Tom Baker as the Fourth Doctor. I love Sarah Jane Smith, Elizabeth Slayton's portrayal of her, uh, Harry Sullivan, Ian Marder. I mean, I, I really like the interplay between the three main cast. And you know, like uh, Harry carrying Sarah down as a transmat, and Sarah having the yeah plague being um, removed from her body through tra- that trans mat and then she kind of wondering what the heck uh, harry's up to by holding on to her and yeah. harry getting excited by having gold and seeing yeah. gold and being able to buy himself a solid gold stethoscope and be able to retire from the service and
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's just some very you know i mean it's 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 very very neatly done and yeah, there's lots of characters um, but they 're all kind of allocated out properly um, mm-hmm. it 's all pretty sad i mean you know, obviously the ending is as, as usual you know it 's hard it 's hard to pull off you know an effective ending with all of these things but um, uh, you know, it's great location filming, mm-hmm. great u- reuse of existing sets doesn 't feel gratuitous doesn 't certainly didn 't feel like to me at the time and doesn 't feel like now that they were literally trying to save money, even though that they were. And, you know, the Cybermen come back, and again, this idea that they're, you know, that they are defeated and kind of skulking around, um, you know, they're a kind of a threat that used to exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a really brilliant, and this is total you know, Robert Holmes' world building. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the idea that this is, you know, the Cybermen were defeated, you know, eons ago and people thought they'd gone. And it's just wonderful, wonderful kind of, you know, world building that that, that he was able to do in his script editing for these, you know. And I think actually he was also probably one of the main writers. um, Yeah, it's credited to
1: Jerry Davis, but I think Bob Holmes had a huge influence over it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a it's a two thumbs up for me for Revenge of the Cybermen. Um, I'm sorry that uh, our, the, our beloved Fourth Doctor did not encounter the, the metal meanies from Telos <laughs> or is it Mondas or wherever the hell they're from uh, ever again.
1: Well, perhaps in a big finish. To be recorded. He and Leela.
0: He and so. Leela. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, it's, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, there's so much Doctor Who nowadays he probably has done already. Um, <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to park 80s Cybermen for another episode, right? Yeah.
1: I think so. Yeah. Well, let's call it a wrap here then. Let's
0: call it a wrap.
1: You've been listening to episode 29 of the Metabulus 2 podcast. I've been David. And I have definitely been Ben. And thank you so much for listening.
0: Thank you again good night
1: Thank you for listening to the metabilis2 podcast you can reach us with email at metabilis2 that's a number two at gmail.com or on twitter at metabilis2 and again that's a number two hope to hear from you bye